Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Love Actually. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as we ramble about a lot of other things, but you'll probably get more out of it if you have seen the film. So if you do proceed having not seen the film, just be aware that there are plot spoilers. Enjoy. Hey. Hello, hello. How's it going? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm afraid you will be looking at the ceiling once again. Oh, no, I'll be looking at the ceiling. I, uh, there's my face there. Hey, hello, face. I, um, can't find my little phone tripod thing that I usually use to attach it to the, um, to the mic. So I've just had to put it down on a box because we moved house. It's Thursday now. We moved house on Tuesday and everything is still in boxes. Because it all in one day and then we've got a busy week. So, you know, it is living out of boxes. But you can pile boxes up and make makeshift tables and put your laptop on them to podcast. So it's all good. All good indeed. Yeah. So, um, so how's, how's, your... how's the move? How's the move gone then? Yeah, it's all good. We moved into a really nice place. I've just been unpacking my books. And because my books were all very, very disorganized in the old place. Now I'm taking it as an opportunity to properly organise them, which I've never done before. So as I'm getting out the box, I'm like, let's start a paperback poetry section here. Let's start a large format graphic novel section here. I'm like, that's a that's a really nice and enjoyable feeling to be able to organise your books. You got to have books. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And we have so many books. Like we threw out or like recycled about half our books, and we still have probably too many for the bookshelves that we brought with us. But that's good. Yeah, we're the same. I went through and got rid of as many books as I possibly could, but I've still got a bookcase full of them here. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, what am I going to do? You've still got all your damn browns. Yep, my my multiple copies of The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> oh, I, we shouldn't be too hard on Dan Brown. He's popular. People like him. He is. Yeah, people like him. He's generally inoffensive. Yeah. But what's bigger news, I think, than even me moving house is you got a kitten. Yes, we now have Minnie the kitten, who is asleep on a chair at the moment, <gasps> having been a right shitbag the entire evening. Is she in the room? She is in the room. <gasps> um, hold on. Let me see if I can position it so that you can actually see her. She's kind of hiding on a chair at the moment. I can't tell if that's the cat um, or if you're just showing me a fur coat. <laughs> yeah that that's a that's a little rug uh not a little rug like a little blanket um can you can you see her there on the chair this is like a this is like an episode of like some attenborough show and he's going look you have to look closely you can see the kitten oh yeah i see i see do you see her yeah she's asleep finally she spent the entire evening terrorizing me whilst i've been trying to write oh really um yeah is she at the no, scratching phase a little bit not really scratching but more sort of like pouring at you um but like we want to kind of dissuade her from doing that so i can't just ignore her as she does it even though it's not actually impacting on me whatsoever yeah um i still kind of have to not tell her off but like move her on to something else um, yeah but yeah no she's finally asleep now 
which means I won't speak too loudly in case she wakes up and then she starts trying to attack me in the middle of the podcast, which might be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, be yeah. Interesting. I don't know that that makes for good good radio, good audio. No, no, I'm not sure whether it would cat attack. <laughs> but that's very that's very good. Did she come house trained? No, but she house trained herself within about 24 hours. Cool. Um, so she's picked it up very quickly. She's really friendly as well, which is nice. She's not scared of anything. That's good. Um, so yeah, she'll she'll come up and demand attention, or she'll come up and start attacking you. So she was demanding, um, like being played with and stuff like that. Oh, she's great. That's cool. Settling in really well. Yeah. Excellent. So I saw today on um, on Twitter a thing that completely passed me by. I don't know if you saw it. But they did a competition for the disaster artist to get people to recreate scenes from the room in public places. And the winners would get the Tommy Award, which is like a, an Oscar of Tommy Wiseau doing the You're tearing, tearing Me Apart, Lisa. And I'm really disappointed that we missed the window of opportunity and couldn't get involved. Oh, I mean, we would have been perfect for that as well. That's really disappointing. I wish I'd seen that. Yeah, I would have nailed it. But then, you know, I, I already have the Tommy Award award in that i've met him and shaken his hand so like you know i feel like i'm a winner already this is true but none of the ones i saw recreated the high doggy scene so i think we would have done that he said one of us would have had to be the doggy just kind of sit there like quietly being a sort of fat round being not not moving so who would be the um flower shop owner we do we do it in a real flower shop oh okay so we'd get a flower shop owner in on it and then one of us would just be sitting there. Yeah. Which is okay, what... yeah, I can get behind that. Which is basically what Tommy did for the shoot, actually, as it turns out. He just rocked up to this flower shop and was like, can we film here? And they were like, yeah, sure. So the the um, woman in the flower shop is a genuine flower shop woman who was just as confused as anyone by having to say the line, oh, hi, t- hi Johnny, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. And also that's incredibly... Um not expensive for the making of the room you'd have thought they would have bought their own flower shop just for that one scene yeah well this is um i know all this because i just finished rereading the disaster artist the book have you read it yes yeah i read it a fair few years ago now it's an um, unbelievable book i was um the because i work for the company that published it in the uk in paperback and they've just done a film tie-in edition and the editor rhiannon very kindly gave me a free copy so i thought well i'll read it Had a new introduction by james franco and everything to tie in with the film and yeah there are so many small details like that that i'd forgotten from the from reading the book that but they did all of the kind of the apartment scenes and then when they were done tommy was like now we're just going to go and randomly shoot loads of stuff in San Francisco. So, like, the coffee shop scene and the, yeah, the flower shop scene were all just kind of added added on later on, and he just thought of them, and then they decided to just, like, to just slot them in later. Oh, okay. Which is, yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm uh, it's weighing heavily on my consciousness at the moment, the disaster artist. I'm very much looking forward to seeing the film next week. Have you yeah, seen it? I'm really uh, no, I've not seen it yet. Um, it only it was only released in London um, before it gets its um, nationwide release. So we're going to have to go and find somewhere to see it. But strangely enough, our local art house cinema isn't showing it. Oh. And I thought it would have been the sort of prime thing uh, for them to show, but never mind. What are they showing instead? Um, I don't really know. I mean, in a few weeks they've got um, Star Wars which is cool. dominating it. 
Um, they're even dropping their usual, like, French cinema and, like, proper art housey stuff to show more showings of Star Wars just because there's going to be that demand for it. Because it's Star Wars. I, mean, I walked into um, Sainsbury's earlier this week and there were the, the bunch of oranges had little, like, little stickers of BB-8 on them. And the bananas have all got, like, R2-D2 on them. Star Wars bananas. That's bananas, <laughs> I say. Well, Star Wars is the brand that started all of that merchandising. So yeah. There's the monster that has formed the, the, the capitalist wet dream that is movie tie-ins. This is true, actually, yeah. Star Wars invented merchandising, basically. Yeah, to to that sort of level anyway. It's yeah, it's really fascinating looking at how much Star Wars changed the face of cinema as a business. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. And especially how now that it's owned by Disney, they're going for that even harder. It's like we bought we spent however many billions on this intellectual property, we've got to milk it for all it's worth. I mean I love Star Wars, but yeah. I don't need an R two D two banana. <laughs> No, but what I do need is more competently made Star Wars movies, which I'm very, very happy about. Yeah, um, I'm very excited about this one. I think it's going to be good. I've got a good feeling. Yeah, um, the, the one thing that really impresses me is that they've given him, uh, the director, um, a new Star Wars trilogy already off the back of this before it's even come out. So they're clearly very happy with what he's created. It's so Ryan so. Johnson? Yes, that's right. He did uh, Looper. Looper, that's a good one. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what else we'll come up with because apparently his um, his Star Wars trilogy that he's working on isn't going to be tied to Disney's whatsoever. Yeah, um, and not tied to not tied to the Disney story of these three, or even to the Skywalkers, ah. um, which should be very interesting indeed. Cool. I will very much look forward to seeing that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's probably going to be better than this week's film, the the British classic, Love Actually. Yes, yeah, and I mean, I do like a bit of Love Actually, but it can't be Star Wars. I even, feel even it in is... my fingers. <laughs> I feel it up my bum. <laughs> Christmas is yeah. all around me. Yeah. So, yeah, Love Actually. I have not seen this film in quite a long time, even though it's like, I feel like I, I do, it does end up being watched every Christmas, but actually maybe the last few, last couple I've managed to avoid it, so there are a lot of stuff that I've forgotten. But, yeah, the whole um, Wet, Wet, Wet song being re-recorded with Christmas in the thing by Bill Nye's Aging Rocker, that's a that's, that's a, a fitting and enjoyable opening. So that's a fun joke. He He... You can't keep singing the word Christmas. And Bill Nye's character is... Um, so I guess we've got a lot to talk about because there are so many different characters, aren't there? So much to, to, yeah, to get through. Yeah. But his character, I think, is one of the more interesting and engaging ones. Although it's he has a shtick, which is that he's, he's, he's this kind of cynical old guy, ha-ha, laughing at himself. By my record, it's shit, ha-ha, which does wear thin after a little while. But because some of the other performances are, are pants... His his kind of holds up a bit better, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that he's got that Bill Nye charm kind of papers over any of the cracks in his actual character. Yeah, um, he, he he's great in the role, Bill Nye. He, I mean, he's always really entertaining, um, but he's great in this film, even though the character himself might be a little bit one dimensional. But I think that's that's part of the problem with the film overall is that there's never really 
any scope for the characters to sort of breathe and become more nuanced um, because they're quite simply just there for a very short amount of time and they've got to kind of fill this one role in this one very simple story. Yeah, I, that's that's the fundamental problem with it as a thing is that the the ensemble cast thing, having so many different stories, just doesn't work really in terms of providing an enge- a really truly engaging narrative and a great story. It just doesn't work. It falls very flat. But it's more, you know that he was going for more of a conceptual thing because it's bookended by the the kind of airport, cheesy airport scenes at the beginning. I like watching people in the airport because you can see how much people love each other. It's more of a, yeah, more of a conceptual thing. But I feel like he could still have tried to have more, you, you could still have done that whilst having more of an engaging narrative thread. You think? Yeah, I think so. Um... I think it um, it really could have done more with it, and and there's this twofold problem to it in that the characters aren't given enough room to breathe, but also they're not written well enough to allow them to breathe whatsoever, even in the limited time that they're on screen. Um, and so, like, I mean, this isn't this isn't the worst by any stretch in terms of those sort of anthology movies, um, but. No. It got me to thinking, are there actually any where it really works? And I've struggled to think of any. In terms of these kind of interconnecting stories, your favourite director, Quentin Tarantino, did a very good one in Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. um, Which works very well. Um, You get the odd good horror anthology where the stories tie together. Um, So, um, And there's Rashomon, right? Yes, yeah. But that's um, old school. That, that, that's the Pokemon spin-off, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for Rashomon Go to hit to hit the iPhone. <laughs> Rashomon Go. <laughs> that would I I would totally play that. That would be incredible. That would be great. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a fair few horror anthologies there where all the stories are interconnected and work quite well. But in terms of these kind of romantic films, um, they don't really work that great. I think because in a romantic story, it's not so much the narrative that drives it, it's how much you connect with the characters, um, which you don't really have room to do um, in films of this nature. No, you you don't at all. And that, yeah, that's the issue, I guess. Even if I suppose you took out maybe one or two of the storylines and gave a few of the other characters a couple of extra scenes and went deep on their relationship, then, yeah, you might you might stand a better chance, I suppose. But it felt more like just trying to throw together a bunch of stuff to be meaningful in too many different ways. Trying to tick too many boxes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the real problem. It's trying to say, love is all of these things. We're going, yeah, well, love is kind of infinite, mate. We get it. We get it, Richard Curtis. <laughs> Yet they did not have my infinite love of pizza, just me sitting there eating slice after slice <laughs> of pizza on my own. <laughs> yeah, Uh I must say as well that we're still yet to receive any free pizza from any of the places that we that we mentioned, even Village Pizza in Surbiton, which I now live closer to since I've moved. So, where's my fucking pizza? Come on, guys, get on it. We want <laughs> pizza. Yeah. I'm going to go down there dressed up as Chris R. from The Room and demand my fucking pizza. <laughs> where's my fucking pizza? <laughs> He's um, played by Zac Efron in The Disaster Artist. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. 
Which, it got me to thinking, he's like a very tall man. Zac Efron isn't that tall, is he? Let's have a little, let's, let's have a little Google. We have, to, we have to find it out, don't we? Although, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give Zac Efron a chance. I haven't seen him in I anything like him. where he was good, but I don't think I've seen him in anything where he was really terrible either, so. I like him in a fair few things. He, he is five foot eight, according to Google. Okay, yeah, that's like about literally about a foot taller than the guy who played Chris R. Uh, shorter, I should say. Yeah, there's a, there's some short people around, isn't there? That's hilarious. Um, Zac Efron, I like in a few things. Um, he's in the Neighbours movies, Bad Neighbours. I have not seen those. Um, which are really dumb, but very funny. Um, Just like, like us. Really exactly yeah us in movie form <laughs> they're really really stupid but in the best possible way um and yeah so so those are good they're apparently i don't know if they're going to do a third one or not um but it would be yeah the, third, the the two that they've released so far are really good um if you want that kind of dumb humor hey so um, sometimes you do you exactly, get a pizza yeah. you sit down when you want to totally veg out when we've had the kind of week that I've had where it's just everything has just been exhausting, one thing after another. Like I had the had the move and then last night I had my work Christmas party. I got in at about one o'clock and then I felt a bit ill, so I didn't really sleep that well. And yeah, today I had a hangover, which is something I haven't had for a long time. Oh, so no. I could totally go for a dumb movie and a pizza right now. Well, I'm going to fall asleep after this, but you know, tomorrow night maybe. Tomorrow night. My, my dumb movie night. Tomorrow night, Chuck on Neighbours, followed by Neighbours 2. Um, and uh, though in this country, of course, they're called Bad Neighbours because they didn't want the films to be confused with the soap opera Neighbours. Yeah, which is Australian, but more popular here than in Australia, I assume. Yes, yeah. Is it I, still I, going, Neighbours? I think it's still going, yeah. I think Is it now on Channel 5, maybe? Oh, Channel 5. Um, of course, Zac Efron was in, um, also in what seems one of the worst movies of last year, Dirty Grandpa. Oh, yeah, that looks like an absolute which... <laughs> turd. She looks absolutely terrible. Um, what is what uh, is Robert watching... De Niro doing? Honestly, he's gotten to the point. It is Robert De Niro, right? It is. Yeah, it's gotten to the point with him where he's like he's old and he just doesn't give a fuck about anything anymore. And he's just like, yeah, I'll take it. Anything at all. You want me to put my head up a horse's ass? Yeah, I'll take it. Put it on film. <laughs> give me the money. Like he. <laughs> it seems like he'll just do any old nonsense. But in a way, you have to respect it because it's Bobby De Niro. No, that's what I love about him, is that he'll just do whatever the fuck he wants now, because he has no shits left to give. He's done everything an actor could want to do in his career, effectively. So if he wants to go and be a lecherous grandpa with Zac Efron, you know, fair play to him. Yeah. Um, he, he can not? just do He can just do whatever he wants. It's not going to damage his legacy. He's He's already set one of the greatest legacies in acting. Um, so yeah, just he'll, he'll do what he wants. This is true. It makes you think. Like if I was his age and I was an esteemed actor, I'd want to protect my legacy. But he doesn't. The kind of the complete lack of regard for legacy, in a way, is admirable. I think. Yeah, I think so as well. Like, it doesn't matter. He's still Robert De Niro. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no. There's no changing that. Whatever he. Whatever he does, it's all going to be fine for him. We still love you, Bobby. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. So Zac Efron is not in love, actually, sadly. I think he'd have been too young. 
yeah, de- he definitely would have been too young when this yeah. film came out. So it came out in 2003. 2003, um, the magical year when everything good came out. Yes, The, the Room. Exactly. Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie, which I will just drop into everything. <laughs> uh, and Love Actually. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's interesting, um, Love Actually, in terms of its casting and things like that. Um, because in some ways it's very 2003 with some of the main actors that it gets into it um, so people like Colin Firth um, obviously you've got um, Hugh Grant in one of the major roles Marty McCutcheon yeah um, I had to you've... I had a little bit of look up of what happened to her um, and she didn't do that much acting but she her singing career was kind of up and down or she was famous for being on EastEnders and then she married that singer Jack McManus you remember him no. <laughs> he was a sort of um I think he was a sort of Ben Folds-ish piano guy. Always seemed like a nice dude. And I was like, oh, it seems like she settled down and she's happy. But apparently she released an album this year. I have yet to check yeah, it out. Yes, she did. I I lazily um looked it up um when I was looking up what, what happened to her. Um and yeah, she uh, she's released a couple of couple of tracks off that and the album's come out and it's it's all right. It, it sounds like music. <laughs> it um, sounds like music. But it got it got to number seventeen in the UK charts, which I think is very impressive. That's not not too bad. It's, actually, yeah. it's harder to do than you might think these days because the charts now include streaming. So, mm. which so is it's a, just it's just fucking Bieber. Yeah, from from your house. Yeah, it's Bieber, Sheeran, and somebody else. And who, yeah. who else? Me. And you. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, Beebs and Sheeran having a house party, getting a pizza, watching Bad Neighbours, having a good time. Streaming your own music. Streaming our own music. Try and skew the charts. <laughs> yeah. Now here's a, um, a fun fact about Despacito. It's, I think it's a very catchy song, but it's the, it's the second most popular still um, Spanish language song of all time, I think in terms of sales or listens or whatever metric. You know what is the number one or most played Spanish language song of all time? La Bamba. Correct. Hey, amazing. Yeah. Which is a tune. You it think, is a you, tune. You think it's yeah. terrible, but then it gets in your head. It's an earworm. You're walking around the office indeed. going... I don't know any of the words. Well, it's one of those songs like uh, like the entirety of Pearl Jam's back catalogue, where you only need to know the the title of the song. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 obviously you just need to know la 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 bamba, and then the rest of it you don't need to know. Like Pearl Jam, all you need to know is even flow, and then the rest of it you can just go on the sorrows head on fire. <laughs> I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm dead, I'm alive, I'm dead, I'm alive. Jeremy's orphan, It's like they sing in Simglish, you know. What? Spinglish? Simlish. Simlish. The language from The Sims. Oh. See, I never played The Sims. Oh, you want me? Sim City, yeah, loved it, but I dropped off after that. I'm such an old school retro gamer that, yeah. Hashtag retro gaming. Hashtag retro um, gaming. Uh, you missed out, mate, because The Sims is incredible. Where else can you provide such a fantastic murder simulator slash so- soap opera drama? 
So you, you can get them to to like kill each other and fuck each other and stuff, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you can. You, it, it's really stupid and really entertaining, and also you can build really nice looking houses. It's pretty much the perfect video game. That sounds vastly inferior to Zoo Tycoon, which I think I was playing at the same time. <laughs> I'd always, I'd always make like a little paddock of lions, get a bunch of people in, and then just like get rid of the wall so the lions would get out and eat everyone. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. That must yeah. have been really good fun. Um, also, playing a theme park and recognizing that one of your rides was about to break down and explode, and then just keeping going with it so that then all the people on the ride go flying towards your screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of morbid shit you can do in those simulating games yeah um there there is and like there, there's that real dark comedy to them all which i think is how it works so well and like the sims each each progressive sims release has kind of compounded that idea more and more um so like in in the in like the sims at the moment you can you can you know get people bumped off um, or you can get them abducted by aliens and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's great. That sounds really cool. Yeah, they're they're good fun. Um, I'm surprised absolutely. The Sims is still going because it it seems to me a kind of very yeah. It seems a bit 2003 when you think about it. I remember everyone playing it around that time, and I was just like, oh, I'm playing my Nintendo. I don't want to make people. Jeez, I, I, want, <laughs> I want my Legend of Zelda. I want my treasure. I want to open chests and for it to go. Bah, 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 bah. That's all I need. Bah, 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 bah. Um, yeah, no, The Sims is still one of the most popular game series around. Each progressive release makes makes EA a lot of money, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. I wonder if in two thousand and three, The Sims made more money, or Love Actually made more money. See, mm, well, the original Sims was near the end of its life cycle in two thousand and three because The Sims Two was released in two thousand and four. Ah, so. In that year, Love actually might have made more money, maybe. It's probably likely. It was Over- one of the biggest films of the year. Yes. Overall, The Sims will have made vastly more money than Love, actually. And The yeah. Sims 2 even more so than that, because they're like two of the biggest selling games of all time. Well, that's because Richard Curtis spent all the money on yachts. <laughs> and And not portuguese lessons for colin <laughs> firth oh uh, yeah what language is he speaking in the class when he's got the headphones on is it wrong um i don't know but he just but it's one of those can we shall we start talking about love actually now yeah properly? yeah um okay. the, the so colin, colin firth he's now a yeah. jowly man in 2003 he was seen as quite handsome yes um, and his story in Love Actually is the second most infuriating <laughs> of the positive stories. Yeah, it's um, definitely a positive story that comes together very, very nicely. But it's also kind of creepy and completely far-fetched. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I one of those things that's like, love at first sight isn't something that I think exists. And like these two people are having this conversation, these conversations, and don't understand a word of it, what each other's saying. For all Colin Firth knows, um, she could be turning around and saying uh, Hitler had the right idea. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't know, would he? Yeah. There's no possible way that you can make that kind of connection with somebody without. She's just endless, endlessly trolling him, calling him a cuck and stuff. 
yeah book cuck i think is, is what she calls him constantly yeah and the you know taking off her clothes and jumping in the water to to rescue the book was just a ruse yeah um and like and 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 that's the point where he's all like oh maybe she's amazing and it's like yeah because you saw her ass is that why <laughs> yeah is that why colin fair if you shit because it suddenly went into slow-mo as soon as she got her kit off um, which, to be fair, that happens to me when I take off my clothes. Yeah, you get that slow motion. Yeah, and then the baseline from the bath. I can't go for that; just fades in. I <laughs> 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 just careless whisper starts playing in the distance. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, so Colin Firth. Yeah, his story. His his character is one of the more likable characters, but the story is just so odd. The idea, so yeah, he he goes he he gets cucked by his brother and then goes off to uh, is it France to write his book? Yeah, he goes off to France to write his book on a typewriter without making any copies because he's such a cool idiot. And then one day the he has like the, a maid who comes to clean his house and she's portuguese so they can't there's a there's language barrier they like talk to each other but they don't understand each other and it's all cute then one day like the novel gets ruined because like she knocks them all the pages into the lake or whatever and then she gets her kit off and he sees her and he's like oh yeah now that i want me some of that but i can't talk to her so they have this kind of like a few interactions like very very few interactions without actually being able to truly understand each other. And that apparently is the basis for a marriage proposal. I think that just sends out a very odd message, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that I have proposed to many people who I don't understand a word of, um, in, in, in the view of finding true love, and it never quite works out. That's I mean, a shame. This, this, movie, this movie has taught me all the wrong ideas. I know. If you were to follow any one of these these kind of people's strategies for finding true love in this film, I think you would wind up disappointed. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about the the ones that would work in this movie, or that had some idea of working if the other person was interested. Um Laura Linney's story ends on a really depressing note, whereas in reality that story probably would have ended in a very different manner. Yeah. Is that but they needed a tragic story you said that Colin Firth's one was the second most infuriating. Is Laura Linney's one the most infuriating? To oh you? no, that's the second most infuriating of the fun ones of the ones oh, where you're yeah, supposed to be yeah. like, "Oh, Sorry. it's love." Um, the the most infuriating of the "Oh, it's love, everything's great" is the uh, is the Andrew Lincoln story. Uh, Andrew which, Lincoln, which is obscenely irritating. Yeah, that that and his storyline is the absolute worst, and his character is the absolute worst. And even though he's cool and he's Rick from The Walking Dead now, he should still be ashamed that he did that. <laughs> but even yes, though I still I still think of him as the bloke from the Elephant.co.uk adverts that were on oh, yeah, around the same of time. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and and it's interesting. Some of the people that have been in this at this at this time, they weren't like at the height of their career. So you've got like. Um, You've got like, uh, for instance, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and yeah, you've got Martin great. Freeman and Andrew Lincoln, all of whom have gone on to do these huge things since this movie came out. Um, and it's like, oh wow, okay, seeing them in here, seeing a little podgy-faced Andrew Lincoln wearing a silly jumper, 
Yeah. Um, you're all like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, his story in this one, um, he is in love with his best friend's wife. Um, Even though, again, he doesn't seem to really know her very well. Because yeah. she's there's a point where she it's so contradictory of her where she's round at his house looking for footage of the wedding because he creepily filmed them at, at, at their wedding, um, and then she's like she realizes that he's in love with her while she's watching all the tapes because they're all of her and she goes, but you never talk to me, and that kind of gives it all that kind of shows you that the whole thing is false. If it wasn't for that line, then there'd be some ambiguity about it. Maybe you'd think that, like, yeah, they did have some actual interactions that might constitute moving towards feelings of love. But if he's just kind of been watching her from afar, it's, again, it's this this really kind of incredibly dated and stupid idea of, of women as objects. It's objectifying, actually, in the worst possible way, that storyline, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it all comes down to... Um the desirable idea of love um and the idea of love at first sight and clearly when this movie was being written the idea was that andrew lincoln saw kira knightley from across the room and was like i love her um however she then you know was actually with his best friend um who then they started dating and got married etc but he was like but i love her so i can't be around her because otherwise i'll you know be in love with her except i'm already in love with her it's torture um, love it's is so, torture love is so hard oh um and yeah it's really irritating and then like there's this great scene where she comes she turns up at his, at his flat and is like oh can i have a look at this footage his weird flat that's like half DIY studio and looks like they just shot it in someone's random like studio space and just put in a few human items to make it look like a flat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I get the idea that he's supposed to be an artist and everything like that, but it's still like he would probably like he seems to be a successful artist. He'd probably have a flat of his own away from his studio. To yeah, be at, which would be a little bit more cozy than like corrugated iron everywhere. Um, Anyway, uh, so she watches the video and there's all these really creepy close-ups of her face and stuff like that. And then she turns around and says, uh, oh, but you've never even spoken to me or we never talk or something like that. And that's the moment where this movie needed to pivot into a stalker psychological horror movie. Yeah. Um, Because, like, that's a great setup right there where, like, he's been filming her at this wedding and he's, he's in love with her, but he's never spoken to her and that all that stuff and i think i've told you before paddy but i think like a great version of this film would be if um during that scene they just played uh, goodbye horses from uh <laughs> silence of the lambs so just yeah. in the background while she's looking at all these creepy close-ups you're just hearing like bum 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 and Not, she turns um... around Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. No, no. I mean, that would also work, obviously. Um, but yeah, so, and then like you can just imagine she turns around to say, but you've never spoken to me. And he's wearing a suit made out of human skin <laughs> of, all of, of all of his best friend's previous wives who mysteriously disappeared. He's wearing Lady Gaga's meat dress. Oh, the kitten has arrived. <gasps> she is now playing with the cables. <gasps> is, it, is there 
do you have to stop it from eating things like cables is it no she's pretty good actually she doesn't eat things oh um, gonna... can you see her oh it's very sweet we'll put a photo of her in the show notes yeah um, oh because she is the cutest kitten in the world and unbelievably fluffy so, so that's a very fluffy kitten yeah i've seen yeah, some fluffy kittens in fluffy. my time Unfortunately, this does now mean that she's awake, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on her. Yeah, um, that's cool. In case she does something incredibly stupid. At the moment, she's got a toy and she's just playing with it. But hopefully, she won't do anything majorly dumb. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. We'll just see. yeah, if you if you have to go and dash off, I'll I'll start ranting. It'll be fine. <laughs> I've got a few rants prepared. Oh no, she's playing yeah. with the cables. <laughs> yeah. So Andrew Lincoln's Away. character. He um, the what I. What it did prompt me to to want to ask you is why at my wedding, when we were done, we were just married, did the whole congregation not pop up with large instruments that would have been hard to conceal under pews and start playing All You Need Is Love? Well, I discussed it with Rob Sherman and thought we could just do it with our mouths and just go, <laughs> but um, we thought it might ruin the moment. Yeah, just the two of you just go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah no we thought it wouldn't quite work the same um, yeah and it okay. turns out that andrew lincoln organized that rather than the groom yes because he loves her and he wants her to have the perfect wedding and he's definitely yeah. not a creep um, well, he and then he turns love. and then he turns up at their house at the end um with some cue cards that say i love you i want to eat your face <laughs> um yeah and because it's christmas and at Christmas, you tell the truth. I want to eat your face. Christmas is a time that's renowned for telling the truth, which is why it's all based around the lie that is Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> that's true, actually. There's nothing and, and, anywhere that says that Christmas is a time for telling the truth. No. It, and, if and anything, it of, involves more lying than most of the rest of the year. Yeah, you spend time with people that the rest of the year you don't really want to spend time with. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, like Santa, all those bloody reindeer. Yeah, those reindeer can fuck off unless they're served up on my plate covered in barbecue sauce. <laughs> um, Have you ever eaten reindeer? No, I haven't. I really want to. It, I, I, it, I like that kind of meat, like venison and things like that. So Yeah, I, I totally haven't. eat reindeer. Um, well, I have petted a reindeer. I have also petted a reindeer. They're, they've got very, very sweet eyes. They do. It wouldn't put me off eating one. <laughs> no, me neither. Um <laughs> um but yeah um yeah christmas time like you you, you, it's christmas time is built on fabrications um where like you know the the best thing about christmas is being at home with your family but you've also got to make all of those trips out to like see other people and you've got to be jovial around people even jovial around your family members when all you want to do is just go off in a grump and go and read a book what we want to do is veg out and watch Bad Neighbours or Dirty yes. Grandpa. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like, oh, Christmas isn't the time for telling the truth. Christmas certainly isn't the time for turning up at your best friend's house and basically telling his wife that you love her. Yeah. Um, but then she makes it even worse because, yeah, he, he he does this this creepy confession on cue cards and then starts walking off and then she comes out and gives him a little smooch. You're like, what? What? Yeah. No, don't kiss him. Don't reward his insane behaviour. And um, and yeah, and then I, I mean, that's all again built around the the voyeuristic view of love. 
mm. and the fact that she is not a character in this movie but is more just an object um for the affections of andrew lincoln um so he gets that feel-good ending and he says something like oh that's enough or something like that and then it's clear that he's over it now now that he's expressed his love and he's had a kiss yeah because that's how it works in now real that he's life. got his little smooch um in real life if you tell someone that you love them and then they reciprocate that then stops you being in love with them um i didn't know if you if, if you know this paddy uh, that, <laughs> i that's did how, not no. that's how love works i think this um, will this would be news to my wife <laughs> um yeah and so yeah yeah, that's the most infuriating one but then you're you're right to use the word voyeuristic i think that's the the idea not that love is voyeuristic itself but that love can grow from a place of voyeurism it's yeah it's that sends a very yeah a very bad message yeah um yeah like i know that my my girlfriend spent a long time stalking me um and taking creepy videos off me and it worked in that instance yeah but um you know in general that's not the way to find find love did she show up at your house with a bunch of cue cards she did (laughs) and it was just the lyrics to goodbye horses over and over (laughs) again on them and that's how i knew we were meant to be together yeah but it was the uh, it was the meat dress that really swung it for you right yeah i mean it was made out of reindeer meat and you know (laughs) yeah so andrew lincoln his character i think we could agree is the worst one yeah yeah his his storyline although i really really hate chris marshall's character as well i oh, think uh yeah his storyline <laughs> isn't creepy but he is such an irritating person that i find his one harder to watch i think yeah and it just it, it serves no purpose it's in the movie purely for comedy purely for raunchy comedy that isn't very funny um, no. that has nothing to do with love whatsoever it's about an ugly english guy trying to get laid and it's it's yeah it's incredibly cheap and it plays on it kind of is about he's going over to america because um all the english girls are frigid and the american women are sluts who will sleep with him because they love a british accent and then that does actually happen and the fact that that is that is all it is. That's the only thing there is to his whole character. Is just it. It does a disservice to both the British and the Americans, really, doesn't it? No yeah, one emerges yeah. from that storyline well. No, and it's it's just really stupid. Like I like stupid comedies, as we've established already. Yeah. Um, in this episode, but it's just not funny, and I think that's the big problem with it. Um, it isn't remotely funny. It's, it's not funny in the slightest. And they basically just took his character from my... Was it My Family or Modern Family? My, my Family, it was called. Yeah. Modern Family is the really good show, isn't yeah. it? With, yeah. My um, Family is not good. <laughs> but it does have Zoe Wanamaker in it, who is always yeah. wonderful. She was um, very, very much punching down in that show. The cat just went flying past me. <laughs> <laughs> she's unbelievably fast for i didn't see that's that about two inches big um it just went zooming past like she's running a circuit i have no idea where she's just gone but never tiring mind. herself sure out fine. um but yeah yeah it's it and 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 chris marshall's storyline it kind of i i forget about it every time i rewatch love actually and then I'm like oh yeah this guy's in it and you're like oh god it's that guy from the fucking bt adverts <laughs> It's just like, it's got all of the advert people from 2003 in it, isn't it? It's got him, Andrew Lincoln, all of the annoying advert idiots. 
<laughs> Although now Martin Freeman is doing an advert for something. Um, really? I can never remember what it is. He's got a kind of romantic thing going on with some somebody in one of these adverts. I, 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 can't, I can never remember what it is. But what is this cat doing? Every so often she just comes out, looks like she's about to pounce at me and then runs off again. Cats do like to pounce. It's, yeah. it's their thing. The, the thing that's scaring me is that she's not pouncing. She's running past me, looking at me, ducking down like she's about to pounce, and then just scooting off again. Oh. Like some kind of weirdo. No, maybe she doesn't want to pounce on you because she wants to be nice. Maybe. I think maybe she's just trying to plot something, but her brain can't quite plot at the moment. Oh, she's gone back to playing with a toy. That's okay. It's up to no um, good. Welcome to Rob's cat cast. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, anyway, so back to back to Love Actually. Um, there's, there's a few of the smaller ones that are quite sweet. So I think the, the Martin Freeman and Joanna Page um, story is is quite a sweet one yeah although again the the humor of it is kind of cheap isn't it it's it's tittering tittering yeah, titillating tits it's <laughs> exactly exactly right um but it does it in such an inoffensive way there's not a nasty streak to it it's, no. it's very sweet and innocent even though the main joke is ah, boobs and bums and penises um, talking about traffic while she's got her bum out Lol. yeah exactly um uh, but but it's really nice but uh, again there's the weird bit at the end where they've got engaged after like no time whatsoever yeah um but but even then it's quite nice and you're like oh yay 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 for those two people yay for martin freeman they seem genuinely happy and that one at least you sort of can half believe that they'd be they'd be into each other and again they're, they're they're engaged at the final scene at the airport but it's just a throwaway thing rather than being the thing that truly concludes their relationship which is really just a smooch on the doorstep and then she weirdly goes all i want for christmas is you which makes me cringe every time all i want for christmas is a ps4 pro <laughs> what's a ps4 pro is there a new playstation on the it's it's on the, the updated version of the ps4 with super hyper graphics hmm. um that's not cool. actually what i want for christmas what do you want um, for Christmas? I already have my Christmas present because I have an arsehole cat running around my house, <laughs> which, is, which has brought me infinite joy yeah. in the last few days. Um, she's now staring at me from the kitchen and it isn't moving, but I imagine she's about to run at me. Can she feel climb like should... on things yet? Oh, yes, yeah, oh. she can. She has climbed up oh. everything possible. She discovered the curtains the other day, and we've been desperately trying to stop her from climbing up them. <laughs> um, but she's managed to get onto our dining table somehow. Um, we think by clawing her way up the whole side of our sofa and then jumping off from the top. Wow. Um, I found her in a basket this evening <laughs> that was on the dining table. She um, got skills. She is incredible. Yeah, she is incredible. She's the most amazing cat I've ever met. Um, but yeah, she's now just staring at me, which is a bit disconcerting. Just She's not even running around anymore. She's just staring at me from the far side of the kitchen by the oven, just looking at me, which is very scary. It's Are you hearing what's the song? Rainbow horses. Oh, goodbye, <laughs> rainbow horses. <laughs> goodbye, horses. Yeah, when she starts meowing, that I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. Um, but but some yeah some of the stories that because because this movie it's about two thirds to three quarters happy and then the other side is sad. Yeah. And would you say that the sad stories maybe pack a bit more punch absolutely yeah which is interesting because our old um creative writing tutor sam north hi sam 
I, I really hope he listens to this show. He was the best. <laughs> he said that the reason that Richard Curtis is successful is because he's good at happiness. And I don't know that I agree, having now watched Love Actually, because the storylines that actually are the most engaging and impactful ones in this film and don't feel like a throwaway kind of idiot's idea of love are the the negative and difficult ones, especially um, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. And I think Emma Thompson's performance is the standout one, especially when she opens the CD of Joni Mitchell thinking it's going to be the necklace and then she goes and like the scene of her crying whilst listening to Joni Mitchell in the bedroom goes on for quite some time. And it's really, really good. That, I think, is just a really, really powerful scene. And then you see her wipe off the tears as they, she then goes into the room to greet the kids and take them to the nativity. And, yeah, that hers has, I think, was the most powerful performance. Yeah, I think that's definitely the most impactful story of the bunch. And, again, yeah, Emma, Emma Thompson's great in everything. But, yeah, she's clearly the best in this movie, I'd say. Yeah. Um, she's a character that you really sympathise with, that you really empathise with. Um, and yeah, she's great in this film and she's like carrying this whole weight of her family on her shoulders. Um, and it's really, it's really powerful to watch, um, in a way that the rest of the movie doesn't manage with regards to Richard Curtis in general. I think love actually is kind of an outlier and I think Mr. North is correct. Um, overall, um, cause when you look at his other movies that work really well, um, you've got things like Notting Hill. Yeah. Um, and um and like Bridget Jones's diary, uh Four yeah. Weddings and a Funeral. About um, time. About time, which I've not seen. I um, I enjoyed I've, it. I've heard it's good. I I, um, I think I enjoyed it the most out of all of his films that I've seen. That's because um, it's um it's Mr. Gleason, Donald Gleason, big fan of him. Yeah, I, I love him, he's great. So um, yeah, th- that one is uh I think it's ha- it's a happy one. There's there's a lot of sadness in it, but it deals with it well. Yeah. Um, And again, it's got that ambiguity to it as well, um, which is very rare in this film, um, where you don't know what's going to happen. There isn't that big dramatic, I'm leaving the family, that you kind of expect, given how caricature-ish the rest of the film is. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really it's really quite something that it's in here and you kind of wish that there was more time spent on that particular story because there's enough there to base an entire film off oh yeah definitely Um, that's the one where you think that they it would have been great to have explored it in a lot of depth especially more of alan rickman's character and his one as well because where it falls down is that the he's not you know you know that he's bought a necklace for this woman but you don't know how far it's gone or what's actually going on but the the character of um the secretary who's sort of flirting with him it's never clear what's in it for her and i feel like again it's written in a kind of quite a misogynist way that she's just a kind of archetypal office slut and it's really unfair really on her and the whole character just kind of doesn't really work yeah yeah and i i think you're right there that that's the kind of one thing that doesn't work is she's just purely that like force of sexuality that like makes alan rickman uh betray his family and betray his wife and it's like you want more nuance there you want more of an actual plot and character which i think could be explored very well but unfortunately yeah it's it's in this anthology movie made up of tit jokes (laughs) yeah 
but you you do get just about enough for it for you to engage with it and feel a bit sad so that so that yeah. that side of it does work um whereas that 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 story's then kind of intrinsically tied to um Laura Linney's story your favorite Laura um, Linney my favorite Laura Linney who I think is a fabulous actress um she's great absolutely great um and so she her story is that she loves somebody at her work um Alan Rickman is her boss so that's how those two are tied together um, and it's implied that the guy that she loves is also very much interested in her and not just in sort of like a, a fun way, but in a romantic way. But And so it all seems to be going great. But then she has a telephone call from her brother who's in a mental in- institute. Um, and that kind of the fact that it throws off their one night of passion then seems to have killed off their entire relationship. Yeah, and that that um, is why I find this that that storyline so infuriating because you okay, he interrupts and it's never really clear what happens because the scene just kind of moves on and Carl's sitting there in his pants looking a bit dejected. But then that you never see anything about it until kind of that's obviously a few scenes later everyone's moved on and it's kind of it's become clear that it never worked out for them. But you're not really sure why. Because surely if Carl... He seems like a decent bloke. If he was decent enough, she'd be like... She'd explain the situation with her brother and he'd go, okay, maybe, you know, I want this, you want this. Let's do it on your terms. What do we need to do? This kind of thing. Let's work it out. He, I feel like he'd have tried to work it out. But instead, you feel like maybe he just ditched her. And you're like, what the hell, Carl? Yeah, and it's weird because you, if they did have that actual connection, which is what's implied in the film, there's no way that that would have been enough to stop him from actually becoming romantically involved in her even if there was that kind of um false start to their relationship in the one night that you saw but again it doesn't fit in with the very cookie cutter approach that this movie needed um and so i find that one really irritating to watch at the end of just like come on come on dude yeah don't be Um, a dick carl don't be a dick carl i think we need to find out the actor and just keep sending a message saying carl don't be a dick (laughs) yeah i don't recognize the guy i don't think i've seen him in anything else no i'm gonna do a little yeah look him up look up his address (laughs) so he can go around there and leave a flaming bag of dog poop on his doorstep rodrigo santoro carl um he is a handsome man in real life. He is from Brazil in real life. Ah, okay. He was in he was Xerxes in the Three Hundred, and also in Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire. Oh, no, he was in Westworld. Is this the guy that Katie absolutely fancies? He's very handsome. It would make sense. He is an unbelievably handsome man. Um. Yes, I will actually have to let her know this because she spent the entirety of Westworld whenever this character was on screen going, that's the most handsome man I've ever seen in my life. Um, Was she swooning? Yes, she was. Um, To be fair, I was as well. He plays like a cowboy dressed in black who's like a bad bandito. Okay, Um, that sounds great. And he's he's brilliant, yeah. Um, Yeah, oh wow, that's amazing. I didn't realise it was Carl. Okay, I take that back. I just want to send a message saying you look great as a cowboy. Yeah, but you should have, you should have you should have romanced Laura Linney. Yeah, should have done that, but we forgive you. We forgive you because you're in Westworld, and Westworld is great. Yeah, no, through, throughout Love, actually, I was swooning about Martine McCutcheon. I like her storyline, and I think yeah, I think she was very attractive back then. It's the dimples. That, that's it's that's um, that's the best dumb storyline 
of this film. I I love uh, Marty McCutcheon's storyline in Love Actually. Yeah, Um, it's dumb, but it doesn't do a disservice to anyone, like Chris Marshall's storyline, for example. Yeah, again, this is the kind of dumb comedy that's perfect to watch at Christmas time. Um, and again, it's the other. It's another idea within this film that could have become a movie in its own right. So it's got that whole kind of made in Manhattan thing going on. Yeah, um, she's just like the tea lady, as it were, for the prime minister. But he he starts falling for her, and she starts falling for him. Um, then there's the miscommunication when it turns out that President Billy Bob Thornton is actually a sex pervert. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and it causes an entire diplomatic incident. And that's the one thing I was thinking in this movie. Um, maybe it's just because we're in a post-Brexit vote world where Donald Trump is is president. So we have world leaders now that say incredibly stupid things that then cause these massive diplomatic problems. But um, Hugh Grant has invited President Billy Bob Thornton. And I'm going to keep referring to him as <laughs> President Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Um, well, you never over. find out what his character's name is. So no, he's 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 President Billy Bob Thornton, um, over for some diplomatic talks. Clearly, this new administration in um, in the UK, um, which, given the time frame of when he becomes Prime Minister, it must have been an election called. Um, so, for instance, maybe. Hugh Grant's um, predecessor had a vote of no confidence hmm. um, take place, which he then lost, which resulted... I was thinking about this too. Like, why is there a, an election in in the winter? There's never an election in yeah. the winter. And also, what the fuck kind of school has a nativity on Christmas Eve? Or a Christmas concert? <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's the time frames in this movie don't quite match up. Um, so I was just thinking, oh yeah, there must have been a vote of no confidence in the previous Prime Minister. Um, which then resulted in Pres- uh, Prime Minister Hugh Grant taking over in the run-up to Christmas. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so so um, so he invites President Billy Bob Thornton over, and they have all these talks, and they're like, "Oh, we can work out what we're going to do in terms of, you know, our ongoing diplomatic issues." And and this film was was very much built in the um, very much created in the years of the special relationship between the UK and the US that Tony Blair and George W. Bush held so highly, um, yep. so highly that they were willing to go on illegal wars over it. Um, and uh, and uh, what happens in this film is that Billy Bob Thornton plays hardball with the British government, who then back down, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll just go along with it for now, and maybe we'll change things in the future, but, you know, let's not rock the boat at this moment in time. However, Hugh Grant walks in on President Billy Bob Thornton being a creeper, being a nasty sex pervert to Marty McCutcheon. He's trying to give her um, an unwanted smooch. Yes, yeah. And um, this clearly changes Hugh Grant's entire diplomatic approach to relations with the most powerful nation in the world. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course. Because of love. Because um, of love, right? Because yeah. of, of love, actually. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And uh, so they have this little speech and they're given this little press conference and uh, and Billy Bob Thornton's asked by the press, it's like, oh, did you get everything you wanted? It's like, yeah, and it's good. You know, we've got this great relationship going with the UK and he's sounding very smug about it. 
And then Hugh Grant's all like, oh, actually, you know, we're going to be bastards to you in the future. So you watch out, President Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. Prime Minister, can you answer this question? And like going forward, that's going to um, cause an absolute shitstorm. Well, I was I was going to say that they, that kind of thing seemed far fetched and stupid, but in light of where politics is at now, you, yeah, nothing would surprise us anymore. It's no more stupid than holding a pointless referendum to appease a few nutters in your party, is it? I mean, it's kind of it's better than yeah, that, I'm, almost. Pr- yeah, Prime Minister Hugh Grant's des- decision to blindside the President of the United States in a press conference and completely change his country's stance with regards to relations with the US is not as stupid as claiming in Parliament that you'd held lots and lots of impact assessments into uh, leaving the European Union in excruciating (laughs) detail in excruciating detail (laughs) and then not holding those impact assessments that that is a the real real life in 2017 is stupider than the comedy fantasy of politics in 2003 Yes, Which this, is, quite this is truly where we are. So in a way, that kind of m- makes love actually a bit more of a feel-good film than it was ever meant to be. <laughs> yes, we can look at love actually and go, oh, I wish I wish idiot Prime Minister Hugh Grant was leading this country. Hey, he wouldn't be so bad. He's done a lot of good work on, you know, um, press intrusion into the lives of celebrities, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, no, I don't mean real-life Hugh Grant. I'd take yeah. real-life Hugh Grant over anybody in the Conservative Party. Yeah. Um, but, Although yeah. Richard Curtis has refused to say which party he, Prime Minister Hugh Grant um, is is the leader of, he won't say it. He says he deliberately always made it ambiguous and didn't want to make the choice. It's UKIP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Green Party. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, Paddy. Are you there? Your face. I'm looking at your photo. Hello, can you hear me? I can now, yeah. So you disappeared for a bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you again now. Cool. Um, I don't know what caused that. The cat did run past here and knock the cables, so it might have been that. Cat, cat aura. What are you doing, you little monster? Oh dear, she's on the prowl again. Never mind. That's what um, cats anyway. love to prowl, you know. They do. Yeah, this one, this one is in a in a feisty mood tonight. The feistiest mood she's been since we picked her up. Um, so I think she's yeah. yeah. So anyway, Prime Minister Hugh Grant of UKIP. He um, <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Back to he that. has a thing with with Martine McCutcheon. Um, he has to let her go because. The president tried to grab her by the proverbial part, as Donald Trump would do, and then. But for some reason, she gets fired. That that bit never made never makes sense to me. Well, I think I think the idea there it wasn't necessarily she was fired. I think she was moved to a different area. Uh, um, okay, and it wasn't because he didn't want to be around her, but it was because he felt it was um, a conflict of interest for him as prime minister. Right. So the, I think I think the intention was that there was actually a noble reason why he did it and okay. a professional reason why he did it, as opposed to him just being like, she loves Billy Bob Thornton, the creepy sex pervert president. We've yeah. got to get rid of her. 
So yeah, and then so she gets she's moved around, but then he gets a Christmas card from her, in which she says um, she writes something like, oh, "I'm sorry about that, especially as I'm actually yours." Flirty wink emoji before emojis existed. And he's like, <laughs> "Take me to the dodgy end of wo- of Wandsworth, so I can knock on all of the doors as if they wouldn't be able to know her address." Yeah, they they would have her address somewhere on system, wouldn't they? Yeah, although it does result in a really great scene where he's knocking on the door he knocks on the door of a house and there's like three little girls and they they go are you singing carols he goes i suppose i could and they're like please sing some carols and then they he sings good king wenceslas less and then the secret service guy has a very booming voice and the kids are dancing that's a cute scene yes yeah that's a really nice scene actually that one um yeah and and again there's all these very sweet little moments in the movie that help propel it beyond the actual plots that it's like shoving down your throat um, and that's kind of where the movie really works very well, is there's these little moments of brilliance interspliced with the sort of mediocre storytelling. Um, yeah. Which is, why it, which is why I quite enjoy watching this film, even though there's some major issues with it that I don't really like. Yeah, there's a lot of really terrible things about it, but it's not unwatchable. It's, yeah. it's, it's, if you just take it as a completely dumb, tongue-in-cheek load of, load of dumb nonsense to watch while you're eating a pizza or stuffing your face full of pigs in blankets or whatever it is you do this holiday season then yeah it's it's fine it does what it needs to do yeah exactly and and, and that's the important thing to take away from it um and that we we haven't discussed sort of like the main story well maybe not the main story but one of the ones that people find the most memorable oh you're saying that liam neeson and the kid from games of the throne is yes, is the main story yeah yeah, I can I consider that the main one because that's the one that has the most dramatic chase scene at the end, yeah, and everything like that. I I had a thought while I was th- while I was watching Liam Neeson. Is he the thinking man's Nicholas Cage? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, Nicholas Cage is in a lot of movies that try and rip off Liam Neeson movies. Yeah, so I suppose that's something. Like Stolen is clearly just a really shit version of Taken. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although I'd love to have seen Nicolas Cage as the dad in love, actually. That would have been amazing. Yeah. I'd have totally been behind that. I think think what separates them out is that obviously Liam Neeson is a very... He's been a consistently good actor even when he's been in trash movies. I don't think I've seen him in anything where I thought he was bad. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Uh... He's going to be in a movie in 2018 called Hard Powder. A snowplow driver seeks revenge against the drug dealers he thinks killed his son. I hope with the snowplow. I'm here for it. It's Play. based on... Oh, no, it's based on a Norwegian film called In Order of Disappearance. I bet that means that it's going to be quite highbrow. No. I thought you were going to say it's based on the Simpsons episode, Mr. Plow. If it, if I, if it was going to be like that, I would be so happy. I'm not, I'm not even again, kidding. It's Mr. Plow. I want to see a movie where someone gets revenge on people by driving a snowplow into them. That's but, what I want for Christmas, Paddy. I can't believe that hasn't been done. Oh, it must have been. If it's not, we should make it. Um, he's also going to... Um, he's going to be in a movie where he plays Philip Marlowe. Oh, okay. Which will be interesting. Um, see? Yeah. There's nothing he can't do. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I do. I I like Liam Neeson a lot, and I watch movies like Taken. I haven't seen the Taken sequels, 
Yeah. Um, but I've watched Taken, and that's very enjoyable, hard-boiled rubbish. Um, that's what I had for dinner. <laughs> hard-boiled rubbish. <laughs> and obviously, he he is Zeus in Clash of the Titans. Yeah, uh, remake and and ask people to release the Kraken, um, which is always good. Um, yeah, so in Love Actually, his story is the main story. He's the kid's stepdad for no reason, and his wife has just died, who's the kid's mum. But why couldn't he have just been the kid's actual dad? Like the, him not be him being the stepdad. It's only it's mentioned a couple of times, and then they never do anything with it. It's another of the kind of minor sort of infuriating things about the film. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like that's another area where that could have been really really good in a full film exploring the relationship between a a son and his stepdad after his his mother dies and how he copes with that grief and how they cope with that relationship together that would be great but it's just not explored in this film whatsoever because it's got all these ties to the kid is in love with another kid at his school and so he has to try and impress her by becoming a drummer the coolest girl in school obviously who's american and who everyone is saying that it's it's the um it predicted the romance of prince harry and meghan markle because it looks vaguely like them when they were kids <laughs> right okay <laughs> this is the latest fan theory did um did did prince harry take up drums to try and impress her apparently he did yeah that's well cool yeah can we form a band with with Prince Harry? That would be cool. Yeah, he'd be on drums. He'd be on bass. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a classic three piece, wouldn't it? Yeah, three piece rock band called Royals Are Trash Lizards. <laughs> I bet I bet Harry would actually find that quite funny. Yeah, he's a band called Royals Are Trash Lizards. He seems like the only one who has a sense of humour. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, he'd he'd be fine with it. He's a good lad. Yeah. So Liam Neeson's performance as the kind of um, inspirational, cool dad is quite watchable in this, I think. There's nothing wrong with it, really. He's He seems to give the kid okay advice whilst being a bit cheeky. You know, the kid seems thoughtful enough to know that you know, he's, he's, it's, what he's doing might well be futile and it's kind of, it's, it's a bit cutesy and it's fine. But yeah, the, the chase scene is then a bit strange. And again, it's another weird thing kind of putting women on a pedestal and objectifying the thing where they've never actually even had a conversation but he decides to chase her through the airport anyway and then he manages it and then she comes back and he's like you know my name and then she goes of course i do and then she follows him out and gets a little smooch in everyone gets the little smooch in everybody is kissing in this movie yeah um they should have called it kissing actually <laughs> Love sharing saliva, actually. <laughs> Scumbags. Um, yeah, this this movie does not gel well with my Puritan roots, Paddy. There's far too much physical interaction going on in it. Yeah, I thought you'd um, hate that. Yeah, and and it's yeah, and it's right. Everybody has a little kiss at the end. And what really annoys me about this final bit is, yeah, it's really sweet that he manages to run through the airport and everything. But in the modern day, if that kid had managed to run past security, he probably would have been shot. I think like that's not. I a think good... I did actually say that while we were watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good message to send to kids. It's like, hey, have you got a crush on someone that you're in school with and they're going away on a flight? Don't worry, just run past security at an airport. Nothing possibly is going to go wrong with that. Yeah, 
Although you know that if they did try and shoot him, Liam Neeson would be there to take the bullet. That's uh, true, yeah. Or they would have all then been hunted down by Liam Neeson in the aftermath. Yeah. You killed, you killed my stepson. Now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Again, that would have been quite a cool way to explore their relationship. Liam Neeson is airport man. <laughs> airport man. Wasn't that wasn't that a, a Tom Hanks film where he's from... from... <laughs> That's the, the, the terminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they should have called it airport man. I think they should have. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, you could uh Liam Neeson would kill one guy and be like I'm afraid your condition is terminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What well, you need to head on down to the departure lounge. <laughs> Shoot someone in the head and goes, "Don't worry, those bullets were duty free." <laughs> Um, Liam Neeson, if you're listening to this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we have a script available for you right now, which we think you'll love. Yeah, please get in touch. Airport Man. Big Boys Don't Cry podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email with the subject line Airport Man. We'll reply. <laughs> we'll go from there. We'll have, have yeah. your people talk to our people. We'll work it out. Yeah, it'll all work fine. It, it, will, it will be great. You'll, you'll totally love being on board this project, Liam. Yeah. And we'll love having you for it. The role was written for you right now in the space of five seconds. Yeah, and will be developed properly in the space of five minutes. <laughs> That's all the time you need with ideas this good. Yeah. Hey, we've we've got all the ga- enough gags to fill the trailer, at least. Yeah, That's, exactly. that's half we've the work. A, we've got a trailer worth of content. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so um, that's, that storyline is okay. Yeah, it, that's an it, all right one. It's not a bad through line throughout the film because he is um, Emma Thompson's brother, is it? Yeah. So yeah, that he sort of links into links into the rest of it in an okay which, way. Which is a shame that that wasn't then developed further because you would have had a great scene of Oscar Schindler kicking the shit out of <laughs> Snape. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It would have been cool if they'd had a fight. There's the one thing that's lacking in this movie, actually, is there's no fights. Yeah, no fighting. Yeah, shame. Should have, should have, should have been a little punch up. Yeah. So have we, have we covered all of the storylines? I think we have. We've covered enough of them. If yeah. we haven't covered all of them, I think there's, as that we've covered enough of them. Did Did you ever watch the the Red Nose Day follow up? I did. It was awful. I never got round to seeing it. It was very poor. It took all of the cheap gags from the from the original and just repeated, reheated them and rehashed them in a very cheap way. There was literally, it was mostly, it was about ten minutes of Rowan Atkinson putting stuff in a bag in the Sainsburys, um, and then um, about three minutes of jokes about how the kid from Games of Thrones looks the same now as he did then, and then I think that was about it. There was some, there was some cue cards again and i think that was about it oh okay was was uh was laura linney in it i think she may have been in it very briefly but not so everyone that, was in it so there was no resolution to her story she no sexy carl anymore. was certainly not in it oh sexy carl mate you should have been in it because he's a dick how dare you, sexy? He was too busy being a robot cowboy. Yeah. Oh, uh, spoiler alert, Westworld's about robots. What? Um, yeah, sorry, guys. God damn it. But you don't know who's a robot and who's not a robot. 
Uh, Maybe they're okay. all robots. Maybe none of them are robots. Spoiler alert, a lot of them are robots. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have covered all of the storylines. So just a couple of like other good moments that I like or things that did kind of the enjoyable little things that punctuate it that make it watchable. There's all kind of little gags that are okay. Like um, and Andrew Lincoln has the, the art gallery or whatever and it's all photographs of like black and white bums and boobs with like Santa hats on them. And there are some, there's like a group of kids in the gallery and they're laughing at them. And he's like, they're not funny. It's art. And they just keep laughing anyway. Like I thought that was actually quite an enjoyable sort of poking fun at people who, people who think that you can't titter at bums because you can always titter at a bum, no matter how highbrow the context. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I agree. That scene is isn't a nice little one, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's oh, Jesus Christ, cat! What are you doing? Um, <laughs> is she getting ready to pounce? She has just decided to run through the cables and pounce on them again, and now she's gone hidden under the table. And I think in one second she's about to pounce on the cables again. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, th- and there, there's some nice little moments like that in it um, where it kind of. This film's at its best when it's silly, and that's a really good silly scene, and and those are kind of nice. And Bill Nye refers to Anton Deck as Antor Deck, which is very very funny. And it's also something that I do to this day that I picked up from this film. Yeah, same. Um, that that whole scene with him in it is probably one of the maybe the bit that makes me laugh the most in this movie, um, where there's that picture of Blur, that like that like frame poster of Blur. A blue. He gets a. Oh, of blue, yeah. Sorry, if it was blur, I'd so, feel yeah, a little bit D- Damon Albarn and Co. No. If it was, yeah, I blur, I'd f- I'd feel even more inclined to let him. Shift. <laughs> <laughs> I never got... never really got blur. I thought of, I I used to sort of think I did or pretend that I did, but nah. To be honest, never been a fan. The best Britpop band was Suede. Yeah, they they were the by, by far, far the best. Um, Blair, I think, had some really good moments. Not so much in their early days, but when they were releasing things like the Universal, they were really, really good songs. Um, and so I've got a lot, lot more. I've got a lot more time for Blair than I do for Oasis because Blair tried to do something new. Oh yeah, and tried to do something interesting. Even though I didn't enjoy everything that they made, there was enough interesting stuff there to sort of tide it over. Um, and now they're renowned for Gorillas being a guy with glasses who plays guitar and then the cheese loving bloke. cheese yeah loving cheese the cheese bloke from blur yes yeah <laughs> um but yeah um that i weirdly enough i have seen graham coxon twice at festivals he always plays times, the festivals yeah both times it's been because he's been on before somebody else that i really wanted to see and both times because he's been on it's then allowed me to get right to the front of the band that I really wanted to see because all of his fans are there and they give zero shits about anybody other than Graham Coxon I don't know if you've met many Graham Coxon fans but they're really really no. into Graham Coxon um, so much so that I've never seen one in the wild oh really yeah so so much so that like Mogwai were playing after Graham Coxon at Best of All one year and literally like the entire tent left and so we just walked up to the front to watch Mogwai and it was one of the best gigs I've ever seen in my life and it's like why did you not stick around to watch Mogwai and it's because it was Graham Coxon and that's all they were interested in and then they were going to go off and listen to Graham Coxon records I guess back at their their tents back in the tent 
Um, yeah, but yeah, in this case, it was actually Blue, the boy band. Yes. That Bill uh, Nye's character was insulting live on air. Renowned for one of them going on a rant after 9-11, saying that why aren't people more angry about elephants dying or something like that. <laughs> this is true, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I it's, um, one of them's really livid about badgers. I think it's yeah. the same guy. Is it Probably Lee, same Lee guy. Ryan. Was yeah, Lee Ryan. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's furious about badgers. Yeah, livid about them. Him and Brian um, May have bonded over it. <laughs> oh, Brian May. Get in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so so then there's this picture of them and they've, they've, they've off camera, they've said something shirty about Bill Nye's character. And so he gets out this pen and on this signed picture of them, he writes, we have little pricks. Which is and, very, uh, very funny. And yeah, it's just the most puerile humour in the best possible way. It's great. Yeah. Although Bill Nye's character, the whole thing is that his, um, the person he loves most in the world is his manager. Although it never goes as far enough to actually make them be gay. Because obviously you couldn't have done that. That would have been too much of a stretch for Richard Curtis. But yeah, it's always he's always dropping in that... Um, I'm going to spend some time with my fat manager. Ha ha ha. No artist actually does that. No artist ever talks about their management on air or while being interviewed. That's like just such a ludicrous shoehorning in of the idea. So his actual storyline is dog shit, but it's a really good character. Yeah. And, and they could have looked into that platonic love relationship between them in a way that wasn't so no homo. Yeah, but like they're constantly shoehorning in that it's like oh, I've had sex with lots of women and I left Elton John's party where there was loads of sexy young women around to come and spend time with you, you ugly man who I don't find attractive. Yeah, like, and then oh, they have an awkward on. hug and you're like, come on, mind you, Jace just fuck. And then it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they are gonna. They do say that they're gonna get drunk and watch porn. Yeah, but that's the, his last line. It's not. It's not gay porn. It could be gay porn that they watch. This is true. This is true. It's not specified. But yeah, yeah. his last line in the film is let's get pissed and watch porn <laughs> which is quite enjoyable which is yeah, yeah it's very funny yeah so that yeah that that um antor deck is a very funny moment as is the tittering at bums is do you have anything more to add um let me just see if there's any interesting trivia oh yeah yeah um, there's probably there's got to be some trivia about this um, the well, the, the famous trivia about the movie is that the airport greeting footage that they use is all real. That he just went oh, yeah. to the airport and um, did an Andrew Lincoln on them. <laughs> there's one thing here. <laughs> there's one thing here that I don't know whether I believe or not. Uh, knowing about Billy Bob Thornton's quite unusual fear of antique furniture, a what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um. Hugh Grant would sometimes flash a piece of antique in front of Thornton just before the cameras rolled and watch him freak out in amusement. That's fucked up. Um, Who's afraid of antique furniture? That can't be real. Surely that cannot be real. Um, That's got to be a troll. Fake news. Gotta, that's got to be fake Is news. Is this coming from an, an Aldovian content mill? Um... <laughs> <laughs> if only <laughs> that would be brilliant um 
something here that shows the dedication of Laura Linney, hashtag greatest actress in the world. Um, this movie was filmed in London, um, and she filmed it while she was also working, working on Mystic River, which was being filmed in Boston. Uh. So she flew across the Atlantic Ocean several times within a few months in order to complete her work on both films. Which is like dedication, doing that Good transatlantic work. flight. Yeah. Um, Hugh Grant hated the dancing scene because he didn't think a prime minister would do something like that. What? They'd be too busy masturbating on uh, House of <laughs> House of Commons computers and giving out their login to their staff. Apparently, yeah. all over the antique furniture. <laughs> That's a um, dear dear listeners who aren't keeping up to date with the omni shambles that is our current government. Um, the the greatest thing has happened in the back in I think it was like two thousand and nine or something like that. Um, a Conservative MP was downloading pornographic images onto his House of Commons computer um, coming out in defence of this lovely gentleman um, another Conservative MP has said oh well it might not have been him it could have just been someone using his login I give my login details to my political computer all the time to various different people who are on my staff yeah. so there is the fact that politicians are masturbating in the Houses of Parliament I mean, we kind of a, kind of would have guessed that that was happening anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. these people are, are perverts, all of them sex perverts, um, and also that these lovely people who are in charge of our national security are handing out their login details to anybody. Like you could just walk in and be like, "Hey, can I have your login details, Theresa May?" And she'd be like, "Yes, there you go. My password yeah. is password." Here you go, civil servants. You can masturbate at work too. <laughs> Yes, and I mean, like you know, I bet you Theresa May writes her password on a post-it and puts the post-it down on a drawer somewhere. puts puts the post-it on the monitor of her computer. That's where yeah. it is. Um, and I it's bet a strange... she, she types with one finger in each hand <laughs> and types two um, spaces after a period. Yeah, which when I am prime minister will be made a criminal offence. Um. Uh, it... <laughs> <laughs> um it's a very strange hill to die on though isn't it um a lot of politicians well it's not going to ruin their careers because apparently at the moment you can go into british politics and set fire to the union flag with your bum out and still become a member of this cabinet um but it's weird seeing so many people come out and just be like yes we must defend this man for looking at porn on his work computer yeah particularly given that he's now said that he might have just been giving out his password information to other people that's not your hill to die on. No, come on, guys. Choose something a little bit more noble. So, you know, it makes Prime Minister Hugh Grant definitely look like the man that we need. Yeah, I think Hugh Grant, given all the work he's actually done in real life, um, he'd probably be a better fit than a lot of the people that are in office at the moment. Yeah. Please do it, Hugh. We won't make you dance. Maybe just a no. little bit. Maybe just a little bum wiggle. <laughs> that we'll then download onto our work computers. Yeah. <laughs> so is there any more trivia um yeah, that'll do uh, yeah there's there's lots of trivia but i thought those few were, were were fun that's good so have you have you had any thoughts for a rating scale do we, yeah do we have any any final final thoughts to tie up i mean i guess yeah as as we said or things you said it's too many plots that don't all really work and that aren't explored properly but there are some nice moments, little things that make it 
you know, watchable at this time of year. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good way of putting it. It's an it's an enjoyable film to watch, even if you kind of watch it and poke fun at it. Yeah, there's a lot um, of problematic nonsense and things that make you utterly cringe. But yeah, it's worth watching it for that as well. Yeah, it's really enjoyable all round. Even the stuff that doesn't work yeah. is enjoyable to to make fun of. It's a it's a terrible and problematic British institution, <laughs> like Britain itself. Exactly. So yeah, I thought my idea for a scale was just simply how many interconnecting stories would be in your version of love. Yes, uh, that's uh, that's great, actually. Um, yeah, that's really good. How many? Mm, how many interconnecting stories? I'm going to go with thirteen interconnecting stories. Yeah, that, that's um, that's actually relatively high, I'd say. Yeah, I I I I, I don't. I, I I like this movie in spite of itself. I'll, I'll watch this movie whenever. It's yeah, it's fine. See, Each I, Christmas it's got to be watched. I think I can only go as high as like nine or ten. Even. Oh, really? Yeah, because wow. like all the things I talked about that irritate me, really irritate me. Especially Chris Marshall. You can get in. The bin. <laughs> Chris Marshall is my thirteenth. No, he'd be my fourteenth interconnecting story. He doesn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, he's on the cutting room floor. So I'll I'll go up to a ten then. I'll get I'll get it into the double figures. There we but, go. There we go. Yeah. I would, I would never, probably never choose to watch it. But if it's on, someone else is watching it. Should we watch Love Actually? I'd be like, yeah, fine. If I've yeah. had my, I've had some port and I've had too many mince pies. Let's yeah. watch Love Actually. Yeah. Bring me the pigs in blankets. Let's do this. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice. So it's it's my choice next. A similar, yes. along a sort of similar kind of. L- Christmas romance film, not one that has loads of stupid plots, but does have plots that interconnect in a way. Uh, is the holiday? Oh, cool! I thought that would also be quite a good one to do because it's it's very overtly festive, but at the same time is a good a good romance. Yeah, I can get behind that for sure. Yeah, it's our our boy Jack Brilliant. Black. Don't think we've talked about Jack Black yet. No, I, we can talk about how. He goes woo, and he's a rock and roll man. <laughs> he says whoop, and all those old people—they uh, they don't understand the young people these days. But he does because he's Jack Black, the rock and roll man. He's down with the kids consistently. <laughs> yeah. Consistently down with the kids. <laughs> That's what it'll say on his gravestone. <laughs> When it comes to statistical probabilities, you are more likely to see Jack Black down with the kids than not down with the kids. Than up with the olds. So yeah, next week we'll be in your ears talking about the holiday. Do you have anything else to talk about, Rob? There isn't any more follow-up that I've got. No. um, Just to say that everyone seemed to really enjoy A Christmas Prince and it's getting a lot of love on the social media, so... I'm glad to see that Aldovia is getting the recognition it deserves. Yeah, I think we really need to start that Aldovian liberation front off the back of it because the they ALF. deserve <laughs> they deserve um, our support in this trying time in the middle of their constitutional crisis. Yep. Hashtag pray for Aldovia. 
thoughts and prayers. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Yep. Cool. Well, if you've got nothing else, then I think that's going to do it for us. We will be back next week. Tweet us as always at Big Boys Don't Pod, and email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail You know, who do you hate most in love? Actually, we'd love to find out. Yeah, let us know if you also hate Chris Marshall. <laughs> How let do you feel about you antique hate... furniture? Yeah, do you are you scared of antique furniture? If Billy Bob Thornton was president and he tried to come on to you sexually, how would you feel about it? Yeah, would you let him grab you by any part? Grab you by the ball sack. Yep. Grab you by the Thornton. (laughs) Grab you by the Billy Bob. (laughs) All right. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We'll be back next week. All right. Bye. Bye.